What is going on, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. We got Jays Jumpers, Jaron Jackson Jr., John Morantz, Joe Johnsons, John Rass, of course. We've got Jays. We've got him for days. Josh, how you doing? Are you ready for my new favorite dad joke? Oh, boy. <laughs> Jay Billis last night did a 94 feet with Alabama's Adam Cottrell. Mm-hmm. Who, um, let's see how many minutes our friend Adam has played this season. Stanley. Well, he didn't play. Well, he he must have been in the game for like twenty seven seconds or something because he's on the box the box score from last night, but has zero minutes played. Yes, that is correct. He's played fourteen minutes this season while giving him zero zero minutes for the Tennessee game. Correct. He did a he did a ninety four feet that was exclusively mm-hmm. dad jokes. Okay. <laughs> My favorite one was at the end. I don't remember exactly what it was, but he was talking about, have you heard about the, you know, the family who went to Switzerland or whatever? And Jay Phyllis goes, no. He goes, well, you know, the trip was okay, but the flag was a real plus. That one got me. (laughs) It's my new favorite dad joke. That's a good one. I like that. (laughs) That's funny. I wonder, I wonder how they caught wind of, I mean, because I'm guessing he has to be known for his dad jokes. You would think, right? <laughs> right? And and if, was there ever like a, let's try to get Brandon Miller? Because there was also a 94 feet with Brandon Miller. There were two okay. of them. It was, in, okay. it was a special I missed one. that one. Yeah. Okay, fine. So I, I, have, I, I have fewer questions now. Yeah, well, clearly there was some kind of intentionality here, right? Because they did the right. They did the one you would expect with Brandon Miller talking about the. I mean, these, these were fascinating. It was real philosophical. Brandon Miller was talking about cutting off the crust of the Uncrustables. Come on, dog. Which gets into a whole debate about is there crust on the Uncrustable? No. These are the kind of things we were we were examining during ninety four feet. The bread last is just night. pinched together. The bread is just pinched together. <laughs> That's what he's calling the crust. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> all right, fine. We're learning all kinds of things. Well, clearly the 94 feet was the most was the best <laughs> thing that happened to Alabama last night because it certainly wasn't what happened on the basketball floor in their 68-59 loss to the Tennessee Volunteers. Um, is anybody good? Yes. I mean, like, I mean, like number seven, UVA lost to Louisville by I mean beat Louisville by like three last night. Indiana lost to Northwestern last night. Um, San Diego State, the number twenty-one team in the country, um, only we're, right? we're only able to put up forty-five points on nine and sixteen Fresno State. Um, let's continue, shall we? Um, Kansas State lost Oklahoma by fourteen. Creighton lost to Providence in probably one of the best Big East basketball games of the year. Um, Syracuse beat number twenty-three NC State. Um, let's keep going, shall we? Um, Texas <laughs> lost to the three and ten in Big Twelve, Big uh, Texas Tech. Um, and like shouts to Baylor and Miami for winning the games that they're supposed to. So you, so you're welcome to tell me that there are teams that are good, but this week, I'm not sure that anybody's proven that, that they're actually good, good basketball teams. Yeah. I wasn't going to include any of the teams that you just rattled off. So, <laughs> okay. All right. Fine. I, I do still firmly believe Alabama and Purdue are a class above everybody else. I'm just like it. I I mean I guess, but I feel like you have to qualify Alabama with on the right night because they've done this multiple times. They are yeah, not I mean, a class above everybody else every night. They're just not. They've been as consistent as any team in the country. 
Okay. As any team in the country, and then you just said that they're a level <laughs> above everybody else. How does that make any sense? Well, my point being, they their best is as good as anybody's, and they, and they've been as consistent as anybody. I mean, it, twice in the last six games, they've gotten smoked and scored fewer than sixty three points, sixty nine points. Yeah, I mean, they lost on the road against the top ten teams, the best defensive team in the country. They haven't lost an SEC yeah. game all season. And a team that multiple times in the last week and a half has dropped a donut on the floor. Yeah, which means they weren't going to do it again, right? <laughs> I guess. But, I mean, you're welcome to tell me that Alabama's elite. They're not, though. One thing going wrong in three-point shooting is that one thing going wrong means that you're going to lay an egg. Their three-point shooting's gotten more consistent. But they still have this thing where they are not going to win a basketball game if they don't shoot the three well. Against a good team. It's just not going to happen. And I would argue their issues against Tennessee were, I mean, yeah, they didn't shoot the ball great, but they shot the ball fine. They they had some other issues here that we can get into, specifically their inability to keep control of the basketball. Okay. Which, I mean, I'm just not going, like a team that depends on the three and doesn't take care of the basketball is not elite. I don't care who they are. They're just not. And generally. It's not I, an elite basketball team. Yeah. If those two things happen at the same night, they're in trouble. Yeah. Which is again, if it's not Tennessee's defense, maybe it's a different story. But no, no, no. I guess the point I'm making is if it, like Alabama might be the best team in the country, and they have a bigger hole than the best team in the country has had in the last 15 years. I would probably agree with that. Yeah, that's that's all I'm saying. Yeah, and you know, Purdue keeps losing Big Ten games here. Yeah, there is no, we don't have a you know historically great. Look at that team. Of course, they're the national champions. Team. I mean, if you, I mean, or like they're like the fifteenth best number one ranked team in the last fifteen years. That would be an interesting exercise to go back and really look at that. I'm just. I the point being is, I'm just not impressed on like I'm 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 unimpressed by too many good teams too often. Sure. And, like, weirdly, as we go, the less faith I have in Purdue's freshmen, like, the farther we get Mm -hmm. into the season, which is kind of backwards, right? I mean, Mm -hmm. they were bad against Northwestern at the end of the Northwestern game on Sunday. Like, bad. Also, it might just be that that Chris Collins is putting something in Indiana Big Ten (laughs) teams' water before they play them because they also beat Indiana this week. And they were the first Big Ten team in, like, a like a while to beat both of those teams in the same schedule. And that they've now done it three times. I think they're now undefeated. They're still undefeated against those two teams, right? They've beaten Indiana twice now. Yes, I do. And believe Purdue so. once. Anywho, 59-68, Alabama lost to Tennessee. Not exactly the offensive explosion you'd like if you were going to a basketball game and you enjoy points. Um, <laughs> Tennessee was 35% from the field. Excuse me, Alabama was. Tennessee was so much better at 36%. Um, there were, Alabama turned it over 19 times. Uh, Tennessee was 6 of 23 from the three-point line. There's not a ton to write home about here. 
Um, probably the best thing about this game is that Kai Ziegler had eight assists and zero turnovers, and that's a pretty good assist to turnover ratio. Um, but what say you about um, another in Tennessee in the middle of yet another, like, wow, okay. They, they seem to be on both sides of it all the time, right? They go from losing three of four to beating the number one team in the country. What say you? Yeah, I I do think this was important for Tennessee to kind of just get things back on track, remind themselves that they can play with anybody in the country. They can beat anybody in the country on the right night. And from a an Alabama perspective, I'm not worried about the loss. I am worried about the turnovers and specifically the fact that they just could not deal with Tennessee's aggressiveness and physicality. I mean, it was trying to get the ball in bounds. It was trying to make passes in the half court. They just could not take care of the basketball, and specifically Javon Clooney. Javon Clooney had a really poor game. That is, <laughs> that is a problem and a blueprint that you can then, if you're somebody else or you're an NCAA tournament team, you can carry in and, you know, I do feel like we saw until the the comeback against Houston, there was a little bit of that as as well. That just these really aggressive physical defensive teams, maybe the two best defensive teams in the country, really gave Alabama issues. They figured it out against Houston to their credit, but the the end result is that you make seventeen field goals, and you only take forty eight shots because you turn the ball over so much, and you only make nine threes. It's not that they had an awful shooting game where they shot, you know, 18% from three. They just didn't get enough shots up and they didn't shoot the lights out. So to me, that's where Nate Oates is going to focus this is we need to get more shots because we need to take care of the ball better. And the other thing I'll throw out there is Texas A&M won again last night. Alabama has to go to College Station to end the season. Texas A&M is in control of a share of the SEC regular season title now. If they win out, they're going to get a share. If not win it outright, if Alabama loses between now and then. I'm mm-hmm. not, I don't think that's going to happen. But there's a real chance where we're playing to see what the who's going to get to hang banners on the final day of the regular season here because Texas A&M is just keeping pace. Mm-hmm. And so it's not just, okay, number one loss. It's not just, oh, Alabama lost their first SEC game. They're also trying to make sure they don't have to share this title that they should absolutely win outright with how good they've been this season. There, mm-hmm. There's that part of this too, that Texas A&M to their credit has kept the pressure up and you have one slip up. Yeah. One game where you don't play well against a really, really good team who, by the way, didn't have Julian Phillips or Josiah Jordan James. Both of these teams, their depth doesn't get enough credit, but specifically Tennessee's playing down two key players to still get, you know, six, seven guys contributing is awfully impressive. And so we've we've got ourselves a very interesting end of the regular season here. This is the easiest Power 5 conference schedule I've ever seen in my entire life <laughs> from Texas A&M. From Texas A&M. This is impressive. Now, granted, it has a Kentucky team, that they you know, and, and they even lost to Kentucky and Arkansas, two teams that you would expect them to lose to heading into the season. But other than that, like they got to play Arkansas last night and an Arkansas team that's now a shell of themselves. 
but getting closer to not being a shell of themselves, even though they'll always be. But like they haven't played right. Tennessee or Alabama yet, and they're not going to have to play Tennessee or Alabama twice, right? That's just a really, really fortuitous, you know. Yep. Eleven and two is eleven and two. I'm not, not all actually. Eleven and twos are created equal, though. Right. Not all eleven and twos are created equal, and they somehow, in a year where Alabama and Tennessee are the clearly the two best teams in the in in the conference, they've found a way. <laughs> they, they they it lined up where you know it's February 16th and they haven't played either of those teams yet. And they get bit to play both of those teams at home. That's just, that's just impressive. But either way, either way, um, 11 and two is, is 11 and two. Um, when you absolutely need not somebody to get a bucket for Alabama, but when you absolutely need somebody to make the right decisions for Alabama, in a possession, like it's non-negotiable. We need you to make the right decisions and take care of the basketball and 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 make sure that we get a the correct shot or a good shot or break the press or whatever, however you want to define that. Who do you put the ball in their hands? Yeah. I, I'm becoming more convinced that's the biggest question mark with this team, not the three-point shooting. Because it's not like the guards are bad. No. But it's also not like the guards are... It's not like you have that guy that you know is absolutely going to make the right decisions. I mean, like the guards, the the, the starting guards, right? The starting guards being Mark Sears and Jaden Bradley, and then Javon Quinterly off the bench. Now, granted, right, it's part of their responsibility to have their ball... That, ball in their hands when trying to break pressure and trying to take care of the basketball so the ball ends up in their hands more in those situations but the three of those guys combined combined for 11 turnovers and 10 assists so like like do you trust do you do you really trust any of them and like i feel like the answer to that question needs to be completely obvious Mm -hmm. and it's not only is it not obvious, there might just not even be a right answer to that question on the team. And that can that can be concerning because the same thing is kind of happening with Purdue in a different way. Like no one no one's questioning who Matt Painter wants to like handle the ball and make dis- I mean he raves about about Braden Smith's decision making all the time, but we have learned in the last few weeks that Purdue doesn't handle pressure super super well. And there are different reasons for that, but Alabama I'm just not sure that if you get, gave NATO a million dollars and said the only way you keep it is if the ball doesn't turn over on this next possession, that he absolutely knows who he's going to hand the ball to to like ball handle and make and make the right decisions. Because from a playmaking perspective, my answer is Quinterly. But from a decision making perspective, Quinterly's third on that list for me. Right. And you know, Jaden there's not Bradley, a guy that overlaps like that. Right. Jaden Bradley is not necessarily a facilitator. He's a downhill driver which is a very useful tool to have when you've got these shooters, when you've got Brandon Miller. Mm. But I don't really see him as a point guard. So um, I guess my answer would be Mark Sears. Which doesn't, you didn't seem it, all that it, confident about that. Right. It's kind of a process of elimination thing. Right. Right. Yeah. That, that, that's really what Tennessee ex- exploited is Sakai <laughs> Ziegler's, whoever's got the ball, Sakai Ziegler's going to go after him. <laughs> and he's going to go after him for 40 minutes. And, they came up with just about every way possible to turn the ball over. 
which maybe you know, it was well, Adam Control. Maybe Adam Control. Adam Control is the answer. Maybe. We maybe. Know. Hey, he walked ninety-four feet. He he knew that court like the back of his hand. Okay. <laughs> the last thing I do want to say about this game, I love Brandon Miller. Brandon Miller is so good. <laughs> I know he didn't have you know a spectacular forty-point game or anything, obviously, because his team barely got past forty. But mm-hmm. just his he's. He's so much fun to watch. He is 100% my kind of player. You know, I think it's interesting. I think he's getting, there's this weird, like, this weird tug of war that's happening with him as an NBA prospect because of what's kind of happening with Jabari Smith. Like, Jabari Smith is is having a, a fine rookie year, and it's gotten better. And it also doesn't really matter how he plays immediately because it's the Houston Rockets. But I think there was a lot of people trying to convince themselves that Jabari Smith was going to be a ball handler in the NBA and and do this like and there was a lot of the the like hoping that that he could like turn into this, you know, because they would we got smitten with this like kind of one dribble pull up that Jabari Smith was doing in college and people were hoping that that could expand into something more creative offensively mm-hmm. and it didn't take long for it to be pretty clear that that's just not going to be the case and then you have this Brandon Miller guy who is you know who's a different player but also is just kind of in that in in that category of six nine six ten guy that has skills that we don't see a ton at the college level anymore and the you know the long lanky kind of thing with the guy that can score the basketball like the initial like the gut reaction is to put his game next to Kevin Durant's when he was at Texas or just kind of talk about him in the space with Kevin Durant. I, first of all, I think it's you know irresponsible for anybody who talks about the draft to compare any prospect to Kevin Durant. I think that's irresponsible. That may, might well, be the best score ever, but yes, in terms of, in terms of creating expectations and saying they're the next right. Kevin Durant. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. That, that specifically. Yeah. Um, and the point being is that, is that I think there are people who are like almost, trying too hard not to love Brandon Miller because because they're just not sure how much creativity and offense translates to the next level. And like I said, they're not the same kind of player. I just think it's an interesting, like, I think his the way people are talking about him as we get deeper into the season would be a little different if it wasn't similar to the way that people were talking about Jabari Smith and kind of the like, Oh, right. We never really saw Jabari Smith handle the basketball in college. Why did we think he was going to be able to handle it in the NBA kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Um, he's, he's, he's spectacular. He's super fun. Right. Like you said, I mean, he had a double double last night, but four of 11 and fouled out. So like, it's not like, not like it was a, a, a great game, but a super fun one. And his, his kind of, trajectory as a prospect i find super intriguing yeah and you know he's not going to help that conversation by i mean he cooked i think it was mayshack just sent him sent him one way sent him back the other and then Mm -hmm. unfortunately he missed the shot but i went oh 
<laughs> I didn't even know Brandon Miller had that in his bag, but evidently he does. Yes, let's mm-hmm. let's not turn him into. That's a good point. Let's not turn him into a ball handler. That's not what he is. He is a three plus and D guy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he is a two way star. Yeah, he's not. But let's just have him do what he's doing at Alabama. Just like let's have Jabari Smith do what Jabari Smith was doing at Auburn. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. not they're not ball handlers. But just about everything else, Brandon Miller's going to give you. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I am. I hope we don't try and blow this out of proportion and just let him be, you know, the second coming of Paul George. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's he's it's it's really a testament of just how freaking hard it is to be like a bucket in the NBA. Yeah, because like that that guy is spectacular, and he's just like maybe he'll. Maybe he'll exceed my expectations in that category, but like, like you said, his trajectory right now is not that right. It's not. It's yeah. not oh, to I just mean, be a right. go-to scorer. It's to be be really, 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 really good at a couple things on the offensive end, and then be a two-way star on the other. Yeah. Oh yeah, you hit a home run if you get Paul George out of that. I mean, that's that's the best case scenario, right? Is he becomes that offensively polished primary or you know option two on offense and all pro defense kind mm-hmm. of guy mm-hmm. but you're going to be happy if you get yeah you know 10 to 15 points a game and great defense right. which i am confident that's what he's going to be the question is can he be anything more than that anywho i got nothing else on this game you got anything else no i'm i'm not more worried about alabama we knew the flaws were there. I I chalked this up more to they just had a bad a bad night against a really good team that was pretty motivated to make sure they didn't lose again at home. Mm-hmm. I I'm still very very high on this Alabama team relative to the rest of the country, not relative to the great best teams of the past decade. Fair enough. <laughs> In the Big East, Xavier fell to Marquette 69 to 68. Can we talk about like like both of these teams like forgot how good they are offensively in the first half and the first half it was 28-24 at halftime and then and, both teams scored over 40 points in the yeah. second half. And they somehow convinced themselves that they were really good defensive teams there for 20 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's the more impressive part. But then then the offense came and they scored 85 points combined in the second half. 69-68, the final score. What say you about another close, grinded out? Sulu Boom was awesome. Tyler Kolick was awesome. Man, what a what a what a guard night. What a point guard night. I'm in. <laughs> uh what do you what's what say you about a one point win for for the Eagles? Sean Miller. <laughs> I, I'm to the point where I kind of feel bad for Sean Miller. Mm. why wait hold on (laughs) this is they did it again i mean it was turnovers and the fact they gave up 14 offensive rebounds they were in control of that game almost from start to finish they defensively at least for yeah you know the first half they were outstanding i was sitting there thinking well apparently they do have this defense that you thought they had in them somewhere because here it is they did a really good job on Kolick after he picked him apart for the first half of the first meeting. 
And then, you know, Xavier things happened. And even though they made they made the shot after Marquette made the shot, then they proceeded to let Cam Jones get downhill and then gave up yet another offensive rebound that ultimately cost him the game because of the, the putback that won it. Mm-hmm. It's it's the attention to detail stuff. It's the controllables that Xavier just isn't controlling right now. And it's going to cost him at least an outright big, big East title, if not a big East title period, because they should have had this game too. And now they shouldn't have had the Butler game because they were so bad mm-hmm. for most of it. Right. But still they got themselves back into the game and then collapsed again. It's just unbelievable to me that this is happening again. But also, it's one of those sort of systemic things, right? I'm, And you and I are both consistent on this. I'm not going to be surprised by this. I'm going to expect this to happen until it doesn't. Mm-hmm. And there was a point this season where I thought maybe, they, maybe it is Sean Miller and that they have really fixed this. And clearly they have not because they let that one get away. Now Marquette is sitting pretty with all these teams behind them. They've got the extra win too. And good for Marquette for just finding a way on a night where they didn't play particularly well. You know, Cam Jones had a really bad shooting night. And yet, these <laughs> the really good Big East teams just are not losing at home. And so it comes down to can you win the rest of your games? outside of right the road losses you take against the other top teams in this conference. And so far, Marquette's doing that better than anybody else. The Big East race is over. Marquette plays Creighton on Saturday. I think that's Saturday. No. Is it a week from now? Is it next Monday? That's next Monday. The 21st. No, that's next Tuesday. Tuesday. Next Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And then they finish the year with DePaul Butler and St. John's. Is Marquette on home. the is Creighton on the road? Yeah, Creighton's on the road. So, I mean, in theory, there's another. You know, teams could. You right. The Marquette has the extra game at this point, but like, someone's gonna have to be perfect to right. It's not like they're. It's not like they're half a game back. They're a game and a half back. So, mm-hmm. you know. So someone's everybody already has four losses, and if Marquette beats the teams that they're one hundred percent supposed to, they're going to get to sixteen and four. Right. So somebody's going to have to go undefeated the rest of the way, which feels unlikely. But I mean, we'll see, right? You you do um, have the advantage of a numbers game, right? Where there are what three teams with four losses right now, right? And like Xavier's eleven and four, Providence is eleven and four, and Xavier and Providence play each other. Mm-hmm. Still, so one of those teams is not going to do it. That's true, right? So you're talking and, about two, and Providence gets to play UConn, and so you know, really, really, like if Creighton doesn't beat Marquette, if Creighton doesn't beat Marquette, it's not going to matter. But like that's that's the best chance, right? Mm-hmm. Is to gain a game while giving them a game. And anywho, I did not think we'd be on December on February sixteenth, <laughs> and the and the roadmap for Marquette to be the to to be like the share of the Big East title really is pretty much locked up for Marquette. They got to do something real like, bad, like yeah. pretty close, like pr- about as locked up as you can have it with four games left. Yeah. Um, and I didn't think it'd be that clear 
and the road and the path to being the outright Big East winner would be as clear as that on February 16th. But yet, but yeah, here we are. Um, I will, I, I will point out that this is not the full version of Xavier mm-hmm. to get back to this sure. game. Um, I feel like, like, it's just, it just can't be, it can't be overlooked that Zach Fremantle is hurt. Um, and, you know, gives me, I mean, right. Of course, like that, I mean, that's, that's your leading rebounder. So when it comes to things like offensive rebounding, I, and is the guy right? I mean, like on the like Nunji is the right. He's he is your your rim protector, but also typically, if the guy the guy who's your rim protector isn't necessarily your best rebounder, right? Unless mm-hmm. he's seven four like Zach Eady, right? I mean, and like, he's just all things because typically, right? If you're contesting the shot, you're not in the best of positions to get a rebound, which is exactly so, what happened on that last shot. If right. I remember correctly, um, yeah. and 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 Jerome Hunter is is has been a an admirable fill in for Zach Fremantle in this time but he's also you know he's only averaging 3.9 rebounds a game he you know even in a season when he's getting you know he's playing almost half the game um and so like you just you're just missing you're just missing like when when you're giving a team extra possessions and you're also missing a guy that was scoring 15 for you and your rotation is all out of whack, and you played a game, a Big East game, an intense one in which your bench only played a six total minutes. Um, six, I think that's right. Tandy played a bunch. Sorry. Right? No, sorry, my bad. Yes, Tandy did play a bunch. Yes. But, but either Outside way, of that, it was six out, guys. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, and, you know, Tandy played 25 minutes. He gave you two points. It's not like he got bunch of production from Kai Kai Tandy and Kai Kai Tandy's weirdly like been in and out of the rotation this year. Like sometimes he gets 25 minutes. Maybe it's more out of necessity than anything else. But I mean, before last night, he had not played more than six minutes since December 13th. Yep. So it's not like, it's not like he was a bona fide part of your rotation prior. Um, so I, I think right. I think there are certainly reasons to be, and it's not like Xavier was a top thirty-five defense with Zach Fremantle on the floor, and it's not like they were an elite rebounding team with Zach Fremantle on the floor. But these things, you know, when the margins are as slim as they are, losing a guy that's pulling down lots of rebounds and giving you fifteen a night is 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 a tough place to be and I think you've seen some of that over the last couple weeks especially with teams that have that that have some tough interior guys. Yeah. And and that's to me what's so frustrating if I'm Sean Miller is it's right it's one thing to just say look we didn't have the horses. I mean they were down two rotation players in this game cuz Desmond Cloud wasn't there either. Mhm. So they had to Right, kind of scramble to even get to six guys that were going to form the basis of of the minute, mm-hmm. and yet they were still on the road, on top of what appears to be at least a some version of a regular season Big East champion without those guys until they stopped doing the you know they stopped doing the little things and let Marquette back into the game. 
just like against Butler, right? That wasn't a talent thing. That was a, they didn't show up for 30 minutes or 20 minutes or whatever. And Mm -hmm. then Jack Nunji called a timeout. They didn't have and all that. Cause I, cause I'm with you that this doesn't change overall how I feel about Xavier from a talent and a potential perspective. If anything, it reinforces it. Look how good they can be at full strength because they're doing this without being even all that close to full strength. And they still should have, they should be right there with Marquette. Mm-hmm. And right now they're looking at it. They should still probably, they should be probably winning this conference. Probably. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like the only game that they lost that they should have lost and kind of got handled was Creighton. Mm-hmm. They've now lost to DePaul and Butler and Marquette by a total of four points. Right. And you shouldn't lose to DePaul and Butler on yep. the road. I don't yep. care. Yeah. And they played well enough to win this game for the most at part. Worst they, at worst, they should be, what, they should have three losses. So at worst, they should be right there. Mm-hmm. And at best, they should have one. <laughs> well, yeah, at best, they should be a game ahead of Marquette in the loss column mm-hmm. at 13-2. and two. Yeah. At worst, even right. what they lost to Marquette. Right. Even yeah. Even if you just yeah. Right. Because this is a game you're expecting to lose. Mm-hmm. But that's the problem with what Marquette is doing. Because Marquette right isn't taking bad losses. So all of a sudden you lose to DePaul. You lose to Butler. Now you got to find a way to make up those games somehow because you're mm-hmm. coming into this one down games in the standings and Marquette having already played the most difficult parts of their schedule. Right, mm-hmm. I felt like they played a bunch of really good teams on the road early, and that's where they took some of their lumps. But they haven't dropped any of the games that they should win. They've been doing a great job of being consistent in that aspect. And so now, right, you got to go try and win in Milwaukee, and not Milwaukee. Sorry, yes, Milwaukee. Vice or form. I don't know what I was thinking. And <laughs> you, you know, you do one or two things poorly. Even if Marquette doesn't play great, you're not winning that game because that's a really good team playing at home. Mm-hmm. I am with you though. This is Xavier. Even with the injuries, I really feel like Xavier let this slip away, which is, you know, the story of what Xavier basketball has been at least since Chris Chris Mack left, not mm-hmm. living up to your potential. And Sean Miller, I would argue, clearly raised the potential of this team. And got them closer to also got them closer to reaching it. There's mm-hmm. a clear improvement from last season, right? But still, it's kind of that same story of what could have been, what should have been, versus what is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd be curious what the the messaging like today is from Sean Miller. Like, is it because you just kind of laid out both, right? It can be we let that one slip away, and it's probably a mixture of the two, but. It can be like, is it we're running in practice because you guys let that slip away and you should have won that game? Or is it a little bit more of a, listen, there should be no confidence lost from that game because we almost went and beat the number 11 team in the country on the road and probably should have beat them. And we were down, you know, arguably our best player, if not our one of our two best players and an important piece to our depth. Right, you can you can look at it either way, and I think mm-hmm. it would be a different. Like it would almost have been better if they lost by four, but it kind of was kind of they were playing catch up in the last ninety seconds and ended up losing by four, but it was really close for you know thirty eight right. minutes. Then losing 
right at the very end for something that had been kind of plaguing you all night. I'm just yes, curious. 100%. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How would I mean, you be, how would you be approaching it? Would you be, would it, would it, would you be all over them for yet again, falling short? I would, I I'm would be, curious. I would be selling it as <laughs> this is with, we are losing games because of the things we can control. Mm. It is up to you whether we're going to start controlling those things better or not. Mm. Look mm. at what we can do when we control them. But look what happens when we don't. We are not mm. going to reach our potential if we don't start doing a better job controlling that stuff. Mm. And that's to me, right? That's the message going into into the NCAA tournament is their, but I mean, their ceiling is easily top ten in the country, easily. Mm-hmm. But if you don't take care of the the little things, which they have a tendency not to do, and they don't have a good offensive game, they could very easily be going home early in the NCAA tournament. Right? Just talked about the losses they've had. Not not this game, but DePaul and Butler. Mm-hmm. Two teams that are not going to be invited to the NCAA tournament. You'll know that. They could win the Big East tournament. Could. Georgetown won the Big East tournament in the last 36 months. Anything's and see, possible. I, and see, I would argue that's not an invitation. That is claiming your spot. That is a begrudging acceptance. Yes. That is a re- required attendance. Yeah, tomato, tomato. <laughs> it's just it's just the, the, the avenue through which you're invited. Whether you're entitled to your spot or not, it's still an invitation. Sure, from a very tech, if you want to get all technical about it, I guess you're right. <laughs> well, is Tiger invited to the Masters just be, or is he begrudgingly given his spot just because he won the Masters before, so he has a lifetime exemption? He has his spot. They can invite him if they want, but it doesn't matter if they invite him or not. He's coming. So it, when Tiger gets the 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 mail from Augusta National saying that he's invited <laughs> to this year's Masters, is he invited or is he just? Are they just confirming his spot? Confirming his spot. Okay. I would argue. Okay. All right. I don't. I, I haven't thought too hard about it, All but right. th- that would be. That just would mark be it my... here. Just mark it here. Josh said that Tiger's not invited to the Masters. <laughs> it's it's. It's both. They are happy to have him, and he was coming regardless. Okay. You're telling me that the NCAA tournament, the, the selection committee, isn't going to be nearly as happy for Butler to get into the tournament as the Masters are for Tiger playing in their tournament? I'm not sure there's any sporting entity ever that would be happier to have somebody participate than, than the Masters would have Tiger. Yeah, you might be right. Might but be the, right. that would be – that. Would, if I'm Sean Miller, that would be, that would be my thing It's just – it's up to it's up to us how good we're mm. going to be. There are not that many teams in the country that can play with us when we're playing to our potential. But you can't take those things for granted, and it's costing us way too much right now. That would that'd be my message. Okay, I think that's fair. You got anything else? No, I don't think so. I don't. I, I want to know what Chris Collins is putting in the water in Evanston. <laughs> I gotta know. Also, you should never lose a game when in which Trace Jackson Davis goes twenty three ten and eight on seven of eleven shooting. She probably shouldn't lose that game. That's tough. 
think that's good. That might just be where we are with Indiana. You're going to get your Trace Jackson Davis pretty much every night, and then you need at least two of those three guards to play well and to Miller Cop to knock down a couple shots. And then you can beat pretty much anybody. But not when it's when it's an off night anyways. 64-62, how about that? Um, this weekend. I haven't looked yet. This is going to be fun. We're going to be looking together. I haven't looked yet. Um, nothing especially enticing on Thursday night. Purdue is on the road at Maryland. That's never an easy one. Um, Friday night, there are zero top 25 teams playing on Friday night. Um, uh, that wow, that's a lot of losses in, there, in every in every matchup here. Yeah, we're just gonna keep moving. We're just gonna keep moving. I was gonna try to give you a good Ben Major. I, I, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I um, appreciate the effort. Tennessee is at Kentucky on Saturday. Uh, Iowa State's at Kansas State on Saturday afternoon, and Baylor is at Kansas at four o'clock. DePaul is at Xavier. That's a team they've beaten before. DePaul going into the Centos Center. I put get you know put all my stock in in, in DePaul on Saturday. Um, you know a, a a rather mundane Saturday. If I'm being honest with you, I believe that Baylor Kansas game and the Iowa State Kansas State games are the only games between two top twenty five teams. Of course, you get Tennessee and Kentucky, so that's a little different, but. Um, not two top twenty-five teams on Sunday. On Sunday, not a ton to write home about either. Ohio State is at Purdue. It's weird, like because I, in my mind, I default to Ohio State being a good basketball program, and right. then I look and it's like, oh right, Ohio State's just not good this year. They're three and eleven in the Big Ten, and still mm-hmm. somehow, let's see where are they can pop on this morning. They are fifty-first. Somehow, they're they're they are they are forty six spots ahead of thirteen and fourteen Nebraska. They are twenty spots ahead of fifteen and ten Wisconsin. They are one spot ahead of fourteen and twelve Michigan, and they are five spots behind nineteen and seven Northwestern. Whatever. Yeah, Four. I have I have had that same same thing of oh. Ohio State's never fun to play. And then you it's look. like, oh, right. Oh, right. Yeah, they haven't. <laughs> yeah. Mm, mm, <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay, beginning of the 2024-25 college basketball season. I'll give you Holtman or the field as Ohio State's head coach. 24. So not this fall, but the next fall. Holt. Okay. All right. We'll see. That that's confidence they bounce back next. Can we season. can we do another switch? Can we can we bring Holtman back to Butler, <laughs> and Thad can go for year two? It I'm I'm fine with that. It makes me sound like I'm a Thad hater. I'm not a Thad hater, but it at least has to be said. Um, okay, I'm out of things. Man, this is kind of a weird stretch of college basketball. Like we got to get to Tuesday before we have like another. Like Kansas plays TCU, but like at TCU, and like if Mike Miles plays, then great. But mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that that's can, not that, a foregone conclusion. That Kansas Baylor game has all of a sudden become about as important as I've, it was supposed to be. 
After all this brouhaha, that's two teams that are top 10 in the country. Right. And right there in the Big 12 title race after Texas Tech Mm -hmm. destroyed yet another team that Mm -hmm. they have no reason, not just destroyed from a mental perspective of just they're wrecking havoc now for some inexplicable reason. (laughs) After not being able to beat anybody good, they're just taking down teams at the top of the conference left and right. So now Texas has this difficult finish. Baylor's rolling. Kansas is hanging around. And yeah, it's, I mean, maybe not quite the game it was supposed to be, but not all that far off. Mm-hmm. Baylor's not lost outside of the Moda Center since January 7th. That's their only five point loss at Texas, was, is their only loss since February 7th, January 7th, excuse me. How about that? There you go. Nine and four, Kansas, Texas, and Baylor. There they are. There, mm-hmm. there they are, all right there at the top of the Big 12. Um, that's all we got. You got anything else? No, looking forward to that one. For sure. Please subscribe to the Jays for Days podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter at Jays for Days Pod, Twitter, TikTok, YouTube. We'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to this edition of the Jays for Days podcast. I'm Josh. He's Josh. And we will see you later.